0: what is up divers welcome in to the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on twitter at deep ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football and as always check out the website deep which is always popping during the off season with that being said let's get to the content what's up divers welcome into deep dive fantasy football we are continuing again this sick wide receiver class we're going over another handful a group of five with some guys we've got two that i think are very interesting and they're definitely guys i think you guys need to keep an eye on and where they're going to land and how their rules are going to shake out and then a few others that i think people might be high on and probably shouldn't be so that's what we're going to talk about today But before we do, I just want to let you guys know I am continuously updating my Super Rookie article on the website. So if you ever want to go back and what did Brandon say about this prospect on that podcast episode? Well, I basically transcribe what I say on the podcast into text form in this article. I have the NFL comparison. I have their best season. I have where they're from, their age, their strengths or props, their knocks, their fantasy takeaway. I have it all in the article. All positions are in the exact same article. You can word search if you're on a computer, the player you're trying to find. And yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know to go check that out. Anytime you want to go back and reference something, you don't have to try to refine something in a podcast episode. It's there in an article for you. Plus, if you ever just want to touch up or or see how my accuracy turns out, because I usually leave articles up for about... A year and a half or two years so like I still have my articles from last off season up so you could go back and look at those and see you know where were my hits where were my misses in my articles so anyways just wanted to say check that out and once again before we get into the prospects I gotta credit some of the sources that helped me get the bigger picture that's the draft network sports reference PFF and Pro Football Network those were the guys I used for this group of five and then obviously myself And with that said, we can go ahead and get started. The first guy we are going to go over is Chetarius. Okay, and you probably haven't heard that name because that's not how people refer to him. Tutu is how they refer to him. So it's Tutu Atwell or Chetarius Atwell. He's 5'9", 165 pounds out of Louisville. His best season was in 2019 in 13 games where he put up 69 receptions. 1,272 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. And I kind of got something a little funny here because it's it's hard. It's really hard to come up with NFL comparisons, right? Especially when I'm trying not to be too flamboyant. Like, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, be too obnoxious with comparing people to greats. And then I also don't want to just compare them to people that are the fourth or fifth receiver on the depth chart that you guys might not know much about that I might not know much about until doing research with like specs and stuff in terms of height, weight. So what I wanted to do was just throw in a little something, you know, a little something, something here, kind of funny. So my NFL comparison for Tutu Atwell, right? I want you to think, and I actually tweeted this out. I want you to think of something that you loved as a kid. Okay. Think of something you loved as a kid and that you now hate as an adult, right? Something that you loved as a kid, you now hate as an adult and you have no interest in, that is Tutu Atwell, right? Kids, if they watch this guy, they're going to love him. And as you progress in your player analysis, I feel like this is the type of guy that you start realizing is not really worth your time. And, you know, it's hard to say that because all these guys are great players and they do great things in college, but just in terms of transitioning to the NFL, right? He's a gadgety, fun guy. And just like when you're a kid and you're doing something that you like, it's fun. But then when you're an adult, you realize, yeah, not really for me anymore, right? And so Tutu Atwell, he's fun. And in college, works out great. But the NFL or the adult life, not really my type because he's gadgety. He is kind of fast and he has some nice stat lines. And that is about it. That's really all I'm seeing here with Tutu Atwell. Right, so really, all my analysis is gonna be Knox here, but it's a lot of them. He's small, 5'9, 165 pounds. Right, when you think of a small guy, who are the people that are successful in the NFL at a size like that and a weight like that? They have to be elite at something, right? And he is not elite at anything, he's kind of fast, kind of fast. He's not elite speed, right? So he's small. He's not great at making people miss. The fast, small guys in the NFL are the ones that defenders hate trying to tackle cuz they make them look stupid. Tutu Hailwell is not one of those guys. He can't do that. He's light, he's easy to tackle, and he's more of a scheme to touch kind of guy. He's the one that, you know, you got to give him a bubble screen. You got to give him a reverse handoff. You got to do something to try to get the ball into his hands, and then he's not even that good at making people miss. It's really just a uh kind of fast factor that he has. So really, I don't see him being successful at all in the NFL. He had a very limited route tree in college, so we don't even know, you know, how good he's gonna be of a route runner. And even if he did become a great route runner, he's not, like I said, elite in speed and he's five, nine hundred and sixty five pounds. It's gonna be hard for him to even get off the line of scrimmage in the first place. He gets bullied at the line of scrimmage. He gets bullied off of his routes because they give him a nudge at the hip. That 165-pound guy, that's like me. I'm, on a good day, 165 pounds. And I'm telling you right now, a corner in the NFL would easily knock me off a route. So, that's something to think about there. He just gets bullied in a lot of places. And he's a punt returner and probably nothing more. So, shall I continue? I think not. I think we should move on. But the fantasy takeaway for Tutu Atwell, look, you guys can look him up if you want. I'm really not worried about this being a miss for me. I really don't see him being successful. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's a great sleeper. I don't really see it. I think that they're similar guys. And it's not like me hating on small guys because we're going to talk about some small guys today that I do like. So keep that in mind. It's not anything like that. It's just for what he brings to the table and his size, it's not going to be nearly enough to overcome it. So just like whatever you thought of, right, when I said something you loved as a kid but hated as an adult, Leave it alone and let the kids have fun. Leave Tutu Atwell alone. Let you know the, the college lovers have fun with this guy. And and leave him alone for the NFL. Cause he's not gonna serve you well for fantasy in the NFL. So the next guy we're going over is Demetric Felton. This is somebody that you guys have heard the name if you've been listening for about a month, I would say. Nate Christian talked about Demetric Felton. When he came on for the rookie running back sleeper episode, which, by the way, he will be joining me for the rookie wide receiver sleeper episode, which is the one coming out after this one. So we're going to collab on that, which is awesome. I love collabing with Nate. I'm sure you guys love him as well. He's got great analysis. But anyways, he has Demetric Felton as a running back, and there's a great argument for that. He was a running back for UCLA. He played some receiver as well, usually in the slot, but... Some places have him as a receiver and in his or in the senior bowl, he was running a lot of receiver routes against corners. So it's kind of hard to know exactly where he is. So honestly, I could have ranked him as a running back, could have ranked him as a receiver. I just chose receiver. That's just what I chose. It doesn't really make a difference. So we're gonna talk about him both in the light as being a possible running back or receiver. So once again, he's 5'9, 189 pounds out of UCLA. His best season is 50, I, I think his best season is the 12 games from 2019, where he compiled, man, let me do total yards. So give me a second to do some quick math. About 918 total yards and four receiving touchdowns. So it was a total of 55 receptions, 594 receiving yards, four touchdowns, and then 331 rush yards. And the NFL comparison that Nate gave me was J.D. McKissick, and I really liked it, so I wasn't going to try to switch it up. I'm going to keep it like that. So I like J.D. McKissick as a comp for Demetrik Felton. Some things that he does well. He gets really nifty yards in tight spaces. And sometimes I feel like people use the word nifty, and they don't exactly know what it means. They don't know how to define it. So I actually looked it up, and it was basically just saying, you have a very good skill set at something. You do something very effectively. So he is very good at getting yards in tight spaces. He's nifty in that way. He's got nice cutback ability, makes people miss got a good jump cut he's got decent route potential and notice the word potential he's got good field vision which obviously as a running back that should transition well to being a receiver once you're you know as a running back once you get past that initial line and you get you get to the second level where the linebackers corner safeties are at it is basically the same as catching a slant over the middle as a receiver which like I said he's usually in the slot so he's got good field vision that translated well to when he was playing as receiver and then he's decent in pass protection but he's limited in that way because of his 5'9 size and 189 pounds so honestly if we're talking about pass protection, that's only going to be useful information if he takes running back snaps, so keep that in mind. Now let's talk about some things he's not great at. He's not very refined in his route running. That's why I said he's got good potential for it. And even if you watch his I I always want to say pro, pro bowl or pro day, but it's not pro day. Senior Bowl. Every time or any time you watch his senior bowl stuff, right? I encourage you to do so. You can find it on YouTube. And He's got some really nice routes at times, and then other times he's fallen over his own feet. So he's got good potential. He really does. But he needs to just refine those route running skills. And it's expected. It's an expected problem to have when you're transitioning from running back to receiver so late in your career. So I'm not too worried about it. He's not a great tackle breaker, though. He's not very fast. And his size doesn't really favor a switch to receiver. So if he does end up going the receiver route... At 5989 pounds, that would make me super disinterested. And his size, in general, makes it hard to be really anything above average in pass protection, which is about what he is. And he's not a great runner in between tackles. He's a better running back when he takes it to the outside. So let's talk about his fantasy takeaway. Dimitri Felton, he's probably going to be a gadgety role player for an offense. And I don't see any crazy elite traits. And if he doesn't have those crazy elite traits, it's going to help or it's, it's not going to help him carve out a role that's more prominent than just a gadgety guy that gets a touch here and there. And that's kind of what we need for fantasy. We need, a, we need a prominent role, right? So he's not going to be on many of my teams. I know Nate loves him. And if he declares that running back, it'll change things a little bit because he has the receiving potential. So if he does get drafted as a running back, that's what we need to pay attention to on draft night. When the team that drafts him calls out his card, Demetric Felton, UCLA. If they say running back, all right, I'm in. If they say receiver, I'm out. All right, so we need to pay attention to the role when his draft card is read. Now, this is the one I'm really excited about, guys. All right, and I'm so excited that I kind of cooked up a little something. I didn't make this. I found this. But I was surprised at how little views it, it had. So you guys probably have not heard this. So this is about the guy we are going to talk about next. And um, I I have to give credit, right? It's Mean Green Sports on YouTube. I'm going to play an audio clip from like a 12-minute awesome video they had on this guy. Um, But, yeah, here it is. Making someone miss is like waking up in the morning and brushing my teeth. I got to do it every day. (laughs) Uh, Darn sport is... Something to behold. Coming out of routes, just really gifted. J.D. has the ability to move at a, a lightning speed that can go from zero to 100 really quick. I think he's really elite in a thing called twitch. It, it's unbelievable. Obviously, it's very fast. And he's quick twitched. See him across midfield. Oh, yeah, slow feet don't eat. And he's going to take this one off. On. When I was younger, my older brother, he played football. I kind of followed his footsteps with the receiver. Uh He had me out there doing a lot of drills at like six years old. So after that, I started just picking it up. I kind of took pride in that. And ever since then, I just repet his repetition. It was more so me running routes, getting my expectations of my routes down. And now I feel like that's why I'm here today. And that. Is Jalen Darden, baby? Jalen Darden, 5'9, 175, or 170 pounds out of North Texas. So super similar to Tutu Atwell. Five pounds heavier, same height, right? But I do like this guy. And that's because he has a lot of elite traits. And they said it. One of his coaches said it in the audio clip I just paid for you played for you. Elite Twitch. Twitch. That is what you need if you are a guy of his size. And he's got it, baby. And my NFL comparison for him is a weapon. Why? Because a weapon, if used improperly, is useless. But a weapon, if used properly, can do damage of any kind. And that is exactly what Jalen Darden is. And I could not find a comparison for him in the NFL because he is very unique. So if you have a weapon in mind that is unique, you could change it to that as the comparison, because I love me some Jalen Darden, all right, he said, and this is perfect, the perfect way to describe him as a player, he said, slow feet don't eat, slow feet don't eat, and he also said in the beginning, because I know you guys don't, might not know who was him, and who was other people, so he was the one who said that about himself, and he also said, making someone miss is like brushing my teeth, I gotta do it, every day and that is what i love about this man because a hundred percent accurate he's got elite twitch he's got insanely quick feet his start stop ability awesome he can start on a dime and boom go zero to 60 like that his change of direction just like start stop ability is insane that's pretty pretty similar when you're looking at start stop ability and change of direction Also, before I continue on his props, I don't know if I said his stat line. 2020, this year, in nine games, remember, nine games, 74 receptions, 1,190 yards, and get this, 19 touchdowns. 19 touchdowns, all right? Remember that in nine games. That's just over two a game. So, outside of his elite twitch, his insanely quick feet, his start-stop ability and change of direction, he jukes you out of your shoes. He is one of the best, if not the best, juker in this class. He's better than Kadarius Tony at juking. It's just, he's a lot smaller, so he holds less potential in that way, and he's going to be more reliant on scheme and stuff. That's why I love Kadarius Tony so much, is, you know, we're not getting back into that Kadarius Tony debate, but Jalen Darden, I love him absolutely love him and he's got great speed he's got great burst he doesn't get caught he just needs a couple chances and legit I mean a couple chances because he is a threat to score on every single touch and I do not say that lightly at all he is a threat to score every time he touches the ball and so he might not be a high volume guy in fantasy but that's okay because he's going to be a great boom bust flex guy and for someone who's probably going after the fifth round in the NFL draft and going in the fourth round of your rookie drafts that is an amazing value so keep your eyes open for Jalen Darden right what else does he do well he creates really good separation on his routes because of those feet slow feet don't eat he said it himself and you know what does eat fast feet and that's what he's got so outside of that he's had a step or more of separation on 90% of his targets. That's tied, if you remember, with Elijah Moore for the most in college football, according to PFF. He has the passion and the drive, and people doubt him because of his size, and I think that's evident when you watch him play. He plays with a huge chip on his shoulder. His production of over two touchdowns per game this past season shows exactly the big playability he has because he had those 19 touchdowns off 74 receptions. That is just... Over three receptions per touchdown. This guy is a huge threat to score. He flips his hips really well. He actually, a lot of times, he'll flip his hips right after he catches the ball. Immediately, after he catches the ball, he flips his hips in this like weird way that makes the corners miss consistently. And it's beautiful. I love it. But he's not a perfect prospect, right? And you'll see where I have him ranked later at the end of the episode when we go over the rankings with the new guys that we went over inserted into... The guys that we've already gone over so what are the things he struggles with he's a smaller guy he will lose his jitterbug factor he will lose his twitch if he adds weight so you have to be okay if you're somebody that's worried about the 170 70 pounds at 5'9 see that's that's something to remember at 5'9 he's not 170 pounds like Devonta Smith or close to Devonta Smith he's not 170 pounds at six foot or six foot one. When you're light but you're smaller, it's more compact, you're more stable, so it's not too bad of a thing. But if you're worried about his weight, then this is not a guy that you want to look at because we saw him heavier before, about 20 pounds heavier when he was hovering around 190 and he was not nearly as explosive. So if he wants to keep this explosive, twitchy part of his game, which led to his most productive college season and is probably going to be the way he can succeed in the NFL because it gave him an elite part of his game. He was not elite at anything before that. He's probably going to stay like this, right? So if you're worried about weight, then look somewhere else. But I'm not worried about it, so I'm going to keep going. And he's going to be somebody on a lot of my teams. He's not going to be very productive in contested catch situations, and just because of his size— And I don't see many opportunities for him to even show us if he has great hands in those situations or not because he's always open, one, and two. He doesn't get that many contested ball passes thrown his way anyways. So what's the fantasy takeaway overall? I love this guy. He just needs to land in the right place. He's a weapon, right? And what what did I say earlier? A weapon is useless if it's not used, if it's not used properly. So he needs to land with somebody who knows how to use him. And... A place like that that would work for him would be Kansas City. They still really don't have a receiver next to Tyreek Hill. Meikle Hardman has shown to be a one-trick pony, and he's not really getting anything done after that. And they got Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and guess what? This is a guy in Jalen Darden that they can get in the fourth, fifth round of the draft most likely. So that would be a perfect situation for him because I guarantee Andy Reid knows how to use a guy like this. He's very similar to Tyreek Hill in terms of the twitch. Sean McVay would be a great mind for him. Now, they do have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but I'm just saying in terms of guys that would know how to use him, Sean McVay is one of them. Kyle Shanahan, too. Unfortunately, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan have pretty loaded receiver cores right now, but you get the gist, right? I'm just talking about an innovative, offensive-minded head coach that can take somebody like this and mold them or use them in the best way for them to be successful because he can be very good. You give this guy 75 targets, you sprinkle in some carries, and he can be a very productive flex option for fantasy, and that's off 75 targets. That's, I mean, not many people can do that, but Jalen Darden will be one of those because he is so efficient, and he will be so efficient in the NFL per touch. Now we have Daz Newsome. Daz Newsome is 5'11", 190 pounds, out of North Carolina. His best season to date is 72 receptions. This is in 2019 in 12 games. 72 receptions, 1,018 receiving yards, 10 receiving touchdowns. His NFL comparison, for me, I was very pleasantly surprised with this guy, is a slower Stephon Diggs. So he's not slow. I didn't say a slow Stephon Diggs, just a slower Stephon Diggs, right? So compared to Diggs, he's not as fast, but he's still pretty good. He is a spaz on the field, and I like to coin him as Daz the Spaz because if you watch him, oh my goodness, he's just like, what is this guy doing? But it's crazy because it's successful. He makes people miss by doing some crazy things that I don't really see often, if at all. He's very unorthodox with what he chooses to do. He has random spins at random times and cuts into weird directions, but it works consistently. And I don't know if it's just like, it seems like it's just an instinct thing for him. Like, it's not like this is something he's practiced. Like, oh, let me practice this move so I know when the defender's on my right, I can do this move with a jump cut to the left, whatever, right? It's not like something practiced. Like, it literally just, I think he just pulls it out of his butt every single time but it's working and when you have instinct like that you just let it ride. He brushes off contact pretty well so he's not like a huge tackle breaker but if you're not hitting him if you're not hitting him square then he's going to brush off the contact, keep going. He's got good contested hands. Right, Diggs is comparable to him for me because of one the shiftiness, the slipperiness, you know, hard to tackle. Also, good route runner, which Daz Newsom is a very good route runner. Diggs was very good in the slot. Daz Newsome, very good in the slot. But what I was hinting towards is that Stephon Diggs, he's got really good contested hands. He does. He's pretty good at those situations, despite being a light receiver who's more built with speed. Most receivers like that are not able to produce in contested situations, but Daz Newsome, like Stephon Diggs, has very good contested hands. He's got crazy concentration catches. He's got one around a defender's helmet, like... Daz Newsom is basically has his arms going over the shoulder pads of the defender and catches the ball on the other side of the defender and, like, is pinning it against his back shoulder plate or his back uh, jersey plate and his helmet. Like, ridiculous catch. He also has another catch on the sidelines in the end zone where he bobbles it and it hits the defender off of his first bobble. And then he's able to locate the ball and snatch it in the middle of the air as he's falling and still taps his knee down in the end zone. Sick. So he's got some great concentration, some good contested hands. Like I said, good route route runner, mainly in the slot. And he had the highest passer rating when targeted in the ACC at 139.9. He varies his speed really well. And you haven't heard me say this for many prospects, right? Jalen Waddle was one of them, and that was something I loved with Jalen Waddle. Because when you're able to vary your speed, and you can go from slow to fast to medium to fast, it throws corners off so much. And it gives you a huge advantage. And Daz Newsom is one of the people that employs that method. And I think that's what helps him so much as a route runner because he's not an elite speed guy like Jalen Waddle, which by the way, that's what makes Jalen Waddle just unfair because he has elite speed and he varies his speed as well. But Daz Newsom is decent speed, but because he uses that technique, it makes him seem even faster. He's a well-rounded athlete. He's not amazing in any category of athleticism, or whether we're talking about acceleration, burst, top speed, um, quickness, whatever words you like to use. He's not elite at any of those things or even like really great, but he is an overall well-rounded athlete and he's got really good body control. So what are the things that he's missing? What are some knocks? Well, he takes a lot of nasty hits and weird positions. Remember when I told you he's like a spaz on the field, he does a lot of unorthodox things. Well, sometimes that's putting him in his body in a weird position. He like he gets hit. If you watch some of the hits he takes and the the position his body is in when he takes that hit, it's not something you see many people get hit in a position like that, but it's just because of the weird things that he does. So I'm a little bit worried in the NFL that he's going to just get cracked in a really bad position and be done, like be so messed up. And, you know, it it is a worry. I, I know it sounds maybe a little dramatic, but I think if you watch, you might know what I'm talking about here. He also needs to expand his route tree from what he did in college, but that's, you know, that's not really his fault, I doubt it's like, oh, we're not going to give him a big route tree because he's not able to run the whole route tree. It's more like, hey, this is what you're good at. We also have Deami Brown and two sick running backs. Well, everyone thinks both are sick. You guys know I'm not a big Michael Carter fan, but we have Javante Williams and Michael Carter as well. So you don't need to learn all these different routes when we have two good receivers, two good running backs, which by the way, man, North Carolina pumping out some nice offensive pieces in this draft. But anyways, to continue outside of the route tree, he does need to get stronger To deal with contact and routes. It's just going to get harder in the NFL. And he needs to add more moves to his release to get off the line of scrimmage. And he may never become great at beating press, which you guys know is one of the red flags for me. But it's not that big of a red flag for people in the slot. Plus, he's very shifty and does a lot of weird things to get open. So I think he'll be all right. So the fantasy takeaway is, first off, I got to say this class is honestly ridiculous at wide receiver the fact that Daz Newsome is not in my top 10 is really frustrating to me but I can't put him over the guys I have over him right now and I kind of just already gave away where he might be ranked but we'll talk about it later but Daz Newsom, he's a great wide receiver prospect and I think he's kind of in the shadow of his fellow teammate Deami Brown right now and I'm starting to wonder if they are actually neck and neck in terms of ability. I'm starting to wonder if people are sleeping. I really think they are on Daz Newsome because everyone loves De'Ami Brown. You guys know I like him too. And I do have him ranked above Daz Newsom More of a potential thing because Diami Brown's size and similar athleticism, he's just bigger. But, I mean, Daz Newsome is doing a lot of equally good things in the same offense, with the same context, and the same situations. And I, I don't know personally, like, I, I wasn't able to tell who was usually pulling, like, the best corner on a team or who was ever getting double teamed versus the other, you know. So that's something that if I went even deeper and deeper and deeper into, I could find, but I didn't go, you know, I, I didn't give that much effort. That that would have taken a, a little bit more than I had to give this week. But, um, yeah, so Daz Newsome and Yami Brown, both very, very good. I think they're a lot closer than people want to give Daz Newsome credit for. And out of the later wide receivers that are likely to go both in the NFL draft and in the rookie um, the rookie Superflex or rookie whatever Dynasty mock drafts and regular drafts, he is somebody that will be one of my favorites, and he's probably going to be on a lot of my teams. And this is one of the reasons why if you are, and this is something I, I want to talk about somebody I co-manage a super expensive Dynasty team with, is that if you're picking – Like, if you have a bunch of late picks, if you have a bunch of seconds, a bunch of thirds in this class, don't pick one of the receivers in the first round. Use that first round pick if it's super flex. Use that first round pick for Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or if you're super high, Justin Fields, but you wouldn't consider a receiver, obviously, over Justin Fields. But don't take a Jamar Chase over a Trey Lance if you've got a whole bunch of second and third round picks because I'm telling you, this class... Has so many guys that could be great for fantasy at the wide receiver position later on. And you want to take that quarterback that will make the difference. You want to take Kyle Pitts, who is going to be a game-breaker at the tight end position. Because the elite tight end is more important than anything else in fantasy football. So, or even a running back. Honestly, I think it's kind of just a top three with Najee Harris, Javonta Williams, and, oh my goodness, Travis Etienne, there it is. It's just those big three, and then I'm probably taking receivers after that. Kenny Kenny Gainwell, if he lands somewhere nice, you guys know I like him. But Kyle Pitts, the four quarterbacks, the three running backs, that is already eight picks right there. I would not take, I would not take, I would not take a wide receiver inside of the top eight picks in a super flex rookie draft Unless I have like a George Kittle already and I have and I don't really want to just pick up pits to try and trade one of my tight ends, then I might take a receiver. Or if I'm super loaded at quarterback. But if you have a need at any of those positions, I would take those over the Jamar chases and whatnot. And grab a Daz Newsome. Grab an Amari Rogers. Grab a Tylan Wallace. Grab one of these guys or a whole bunch of them later on in the draft. So just keep that in mind. I think that's super important to mention. But Out of the later wide receivers, Daznison is one of my favorite. He will be heavily reliant on landing spot and draft capital investment, but make sure he stays on your radar because he is athletic, great at getting open, and great at creating after the catch. So he's definitely somebody worth keeping in mind. What's up, divers? Do you guys enjoy a good workout like me? Well, guess what? I've got the perfect nutrition for you, and that is Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Guys, I have tried every single flavor to this point. I've got some rankings for you. Here are my top five favorite flavors that are in the 18-pack. They're standard rotation, not any holiday or special event items. My favorite is Banana Bread, followed very closely by Coconut I really like the peanut butter. That is my third favorite. Toffee almond. Ooh, that's a nice one. And cookies and cream. Those are the top five flavors if you guys want to try them out. If you haven't, why not? Why have you not tried these out yet? These are amazing. I have them after every single workout paired with, actually, their vitamin packs that give you 100% of your daily vitamins. Guys, I'm not even eating vegetables and fruits anymore. I don't need to. I'm getting all of my vitamins and then some in a pack that comes out to less than a dollar a day are you kidding me you're spending more than that on fruits and vegetables plus it takes time to eat that i'm somebody who thinks time is money so i just like to mix that stuff into my water check out built bar use my code deep dive to save 10 percent off and get the nutrition side of working out add it in to the hard work you put in the gym and get max results Alright, Marlon Williams, six foot, 222 pounds, definitely the big boy of this group of five from UCF, his best season, 71 receptions, 1,039 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns in eight games. That was this year, 2020. This is not somebody I really am very excited for, and I don't even really have a comp for him except maybe bench player because that's what he's going to be. What is he good at? He's got good hands. He's got a good release, I would hope so, at 222 pounds. He's a good blocker, I would hope so, at 222 pounds. And he's a good possession receiver. He uses his body well to win balls, and that's about it. He is not good at getting separation. He's kind of chubby. He's not like a muscular lean 222. He's kind of like, if you remember Eddie Lacy, turn Eddie Lacy into a little bit lighter wide receiver. That's kind of what Marlon Williams looks like. He is slow. He can't make people miss. And he needs to, he absolutely needs to either drop weight or lean out. And I say or because you can stay, he can stay at 222 and just lean out because muscle is heavier than fat. So he can get slimmer and stronger and faster, but and still be the same weight. So he needs to do one of those two things. But what he's good at is not successful or conducive to his size, right? He is a possession contested type of receiver and he's six foot he's way too short to be successful in his current play style in the NFL and he's not going to be somebody no matter how much weight he drops that's going to become fast or bursty or create a lot of separation or have quick feet so Marlon Williams is somebody I am absolutely comfortable saying I am not putting on any of my teams anywhere and you can Like, timestamp this or record this if you want, if you like Marlon Williams, and you can roast me if he ends up being good, because Marlon Williams is not going to be good in the NFL, and he's not going to do anything for fantasy purposes ever. So, no thank you on Marlon Williams, and now let's go over, that's pretty much all I got for him, that's, you know, not somebody I want to put too much time into, because there's not much there. So, now I'm going to go over my rankings with the new five people, right, so 1st we're going to go by tiers. We got Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, right? Nobody's getting into that tier. I doubt anyone's getting into that tier with those guys. Tier two, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, Jalen Waddell, Rondale Moore. These are in order. Tier three. So we've got somebody from this class in this tier. Terrace Marshall, De'Ami Brown, Amari Rogers, Tylen Wallace, Daz Newsom in the same tier as De'Ami Brown, as he should be. Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, then the next tier Jalen Darden there we go there we go Nico Collins Dwayne Eskridge Seth Williams and then the next tier Demetric Felton Tutu Atwell and Marlon Williams and that wraps up the top what is that top 20 now did we really just finish 20 guys I think we did one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen yes we did wow Awesome. So we're 20 wide receivers in and now we're going to hit on sleeper receivers. I'm going to give you guys, offer up some sleeper receivers. I'll give you guys some. Nate will give you guys some. We're going to have a nice episode to wrap up the wide receivers. So last year I did the top consensus 20, did my research on them and then ordered them how I preferred, which of course there was a lot of movement there, but I didn't go past the top 20. So now I'm giving you the top 20 The consensus top 20 receivers. That's who we went over so far is the consensus top 20. But now I get to go a lot deeper this year, and I'm going to look at probably 10, 15 guys. So I I got a lot of research to do this week, but I'm probably going to look at between 10, 15 guys, and Nate's going to look at between probably around the same amount. And because I know he went really, really deep on this receiver class. If you guys remember our conversation, he was talking about how he really is like less fantasy inclined and more scout inclined at this time of the year, because that's kind of what he's doing now. And the content he's focusing on is more scouting, which is why I always bring him on for this, these podcast episodes. So Nate is going to also have a bunch of guys to offer up and to do research on. So the next episode will probably be like maybe six to eight guys we touch on. I'm not sure yet. It's gonna we're gonna gotta just go on the fly. That's how I like to do it when I have guests. Make it all natural for you guys, not anything like really scripted. And you know, it's gonna be out of a, a base of like 30 people, so you're not gonna hear. The research on all these extra receivers, but the ones that we think are worth mentioning, you will hear about. So we're going pr- pretty deep compared to last year here. So that's what it's about, right? Deep dive. We're trying to get you guys some deep sleepers. We already got some. You guys already know. I love me some Tylen Wallace. He's in my top 10. Daz Newsome is my wide receiver 11. Amari R- Rogers is my wide receiver 9. Right. Those are three guys that I guarantee are going no earlier than mid-second round in the rookie drafts. No earlier than that. So you have shots at all of these guys and I urge you to take the shots on them. Jalen Darden, you're probably getting in the back of the third. Take a shot on him. Right? Another guy, Kadarius Tony, you're probably getting in the mid-second. He's my wide receiver, four. Take a shot on him. So we've got plenty of values here in this class. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm excited to wrap up the receivers. And I can just let you guys know um, what we're going to be doing after because I know some of you guys have been asking that. So after we finish the Sleeper Wide Receiver episode that comes out next Tuesday, then I'm going to go over some guys that are being slept on right now by the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking. So that's like 150, um, 150 experts that have their rankings inputted or inserted into the Fantasy Pros Database. I'm going to basically be saying you know, why they're wrong on a bunch of guys and who you should be buying. And then after that, I'm going to do the opposite and say why they're wrong on guys that you should be selling, that they have ranks way too high. So I think that'll be pretty fun, kind of put my money where my mouth is, right? You'll be able to compare me directly to all the other experts based off this episode um, once the season concludes. And uh, I'm also going to be actually putting my rankings into Fantasy Pros this offseason I missed the deadline last season so I didn't get to like compare my accuracy to everyone else but I'm going to be doing that this offseason and I always keep it transparent right we all try to learn together I try to give you guys entertaining stuff but most importantly stuff that's going to help you win so with that said thank you guys for tuning in thanks for dropping ratings dropping reviews and continue reaching out to friends telling them about me I'm, I'm slowly slowly growing 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 and it's very motivating for me thank you guys for everything once again have a good one peace Thank you.